right now rates are high and they're starting to trend downward. As they go down, that's just going to get more buyers off the shelf and competing for slim inventory. The inventory is not expected to surge. Do you know how many homes were built in the 2010s? Just over 5 million. Slightly more than were built in the 1930s. And our population has swollen in the United States. There are too many humans bidding for too few homes. Yeah. Fundamental economics. Prices aren't coming down. The tea leaves all point to a lowering in mortgage rates in the United States. And in this episode of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with Hal Swayze, Ben Lerner from Cross Country Mortgage makes a return to point out some of the things that first-time homebuyers can do right now in order to get ahead of a potential massive influx of buyers coming to the market and once again driving prices up. If you want to win in real estate, you need to pay close attention to this episode of the Slow County Real Estate Podcast. Here's your host, James Boyna. Slow County Real Estate with Mr. Hal Swayze. Again, he's here. Mr. Hal Swayze, how are you, sir? I'm great, but I'm trying to find the words to <laughs> you, say thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, JT, how are you, sir? I don't know. I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> I feel like Ricky Bobby. Yeah. I don't know what to do with I'm my I'm entertained. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. And you heard his voice, Mr. Pete. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And then back again, we have Mr. Lerner. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How? Uh, another exciting. We had to bring Ben back because we had just so much information, some new things going on right now with... Uh, Mortgage lending. Uh, let's get to. It. Let's get going. What's going on with rates? You know what's happening. That sort of thing. So, um, John, I'll let, I'm going to let you go in because you you love this stuff. I do love numbers. This stuff. He's a numbers guy. Yeah. You know, when I was in the third grade, my teacher had me in algebra in the seventh grade. I just love numbers, man. It's great. <laughs> Wait, for you had to. It took you a while to get to seventh grade from third grade. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> Yeah, Something didn't sound right slow, there. Yeah. yeah, my third grade yeah. teacher taught me seventh grade algebra. No. Yeah, no, I, she took me over to the seventh grade every day for me to do algebra. Oh, she moved you up. Grade. Oh, you yeah. got moved Oh. Up. Oh, so you weren't I slow. Love, you were numbers. fast. Okay. I love numbers. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, here's what I think about the market right now, and I want, I want to get Ben's comments on what I'm about to say. And I think right now there is an incredible opportunity in this real estate market. And I don't think a lot of people see it. All the chaos that's going on, Jay would tell me there's what, Jay? Oh, opportunity. Yeah, everywhere. right. Yeah. And, and Especially so, with the rates. The higher the rates, the better the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it sounds strange and almost counterintuitive, but that's the way I... Well, you're you're going to have to explain that a little bit, Jay. When we, when we get to the higher the rates, the more opportunity. Yeah, all right. I'll explain yeah. that. And I heard somebody say just yesterday, this is the opportunity you've been waiting for. Out of those comments, Ben, what do you think about the current state of the real estate market and where do you see the opportunities? Uh, I've been saying this a lot and I'm going to, I don't want to sound canned, but I'm going to give, <laughs> give you credit, John. The um, yeah, rates are high right now. But inventory is so low. There's such demand right now in the markets. And we still have competition going on locally for homes. I'm still supporting multiple offers. I'm still seeing uh, a good inventory is going for above asking. Uh, it's still a really, really tight market. I think there are nationally, there are 590,000 available listings nationally right now. We're historically at 2 million. That's kind of the flat mark. We are so low on inventory, not just locally, but, but as a country right now. That's simple supply demand. You, you know, we like economics. Supply demand is the most fundamental principle. Right now, rates are high, and they are starting to trend downward. That's the current trajectory, and we'll talk more about that. But as they go down, that's just going to get more buyers off the shelf and competing for the, that slim inventory. The inventory is not expected to surge. 
I also read in the last couple of days that a 1% drop in the rate will bring 5 million more buyers to the marketplace. Does that, does that make sense? You know, just last month we saw a slight dip in rates and we saw increased activity right away. And it's, it's very basic. People are looking for that, 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 that reason, that catalyst to get off the couch and go buy the home they want. This is an incredible opportunity, but people aren't seeing it. So what would you, what would you tell a buyer today about, about the opportunity and why it would be a good time to, to be aggressive in the marketplace to try to find a house. Yeah, and you can always buy the house, and even if the rate, you have to turn your nose up at the rate, you can refinance in the near term and lower the rate. And we're offering all sorts of, we talked last week at the last podcast about the buy-down uh, that we do to, to try to help bridge that gap and help people get into the house now. And we'll refinance the rate down and, and get you in and, and get the payment lower. Meanwhile, the, the prices will start to rise and their, their purchase prices will start to rise as that competition goes on. And then you're just sitting on the sidelines. As uh, John, didn't you have some stats we were talking about earlier about how infrequently we see prices go down, uh, especially locally? In the last few months, I've, I've shared this story. If you went to Vegas and, and uh, you were going to put some money on a roulette wheel and uh, black came up 85% of the time and red came up 15% of the time, would you ever put your money on red? Heck no. Now, you would lose once in a while, but you'd never put your money on red. And that's, that's been the real estate market, except that I was wrong. Uh, prices didn't go up 85% of the time uh, the last 80 years. They, they went up over 90% of the time the last uh, 80 years. So if I'm going to bet on, uh, on the roulette table uh, on real estate values going up or down, I'm going to be right over 90% of the time if I bet on them going up. You know, I think I heard one of the experts talking about it. Um, I forgot the gentleman's name, but he, he, you know, there's so many statistics when you talk about like a median price and, you know, our price is up or down and, and a median price, it, it means um, if it's going up the, of the homes that have sold, the price was less. It doesn't mean the house was worth more or less. And it's super confusing to look at median price. But this gentleman's point was, the interest rate rise that we've had from the Federal Reserve affects the bond market, affects inflation, and there is a certain long delayed effect when the stats show up as to how much housing has been affected, right? And so it's going to show up later. It's like, hey, I get, took all this medicine. It doesn't have the effect the moment I take it, but down the road. So what is why he's thinking rates are going to go down is because they have already had the desired effect. It hasn't just shown up in the numbers yet. And so that means when it does show up and the rates drop, it's a different scenario than if you were to buy it today, right? Because a lot of people are like, well, let's see what happens. And by the time you see what happens, um, the, the bus or the train has left the station kind of. I mean, you study these rates all the time, Ben. So what are, you, what are you hearing, seeing like in terms of the direction of rates? And I know that's a loaded question and I know it's just an opinion. Yeah, and, and you and I talk about this stuff a bit. And I would say the, the last few years have shown us how quickly, you know, COVID showed us how quickly the economy can change in our country. And I would say the last couple of weeks showed us how quickly the economic situation can change uh, for all of the measures that the Federal Reserve is using to, to try to control interest rates. With the fractures in the banking system that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, that's really caused a lot of shockwaves throughout the stock markets. Meanwhile, interest rates have really been incredibly stable throughout this period. We're not seeing that same volatility in interest rates. You know, we see the Dow up 500 and down 500 and all of this volatility following, following every single headline on banks every day. Interest rates haven't been doing that. 
They've actually been very locked, uh, trending downward, improving. You, and when you say interest rates, mortgage, our mortgage rates. Mortgage rates. Right, which are not so much controlled by the Fed, but by what happens in the bond market, right? Correct. The mortgage rates are it's a long term. They're right. looking at the long term, and what they see is what's going on is going to cause um, uh, accommodative policy from the Feds in the, in the near future, meaning the Feds are going to be lowering interest rates in the near term. Even though right now we may even have another hike to come, right. they're looking beyond that. They know that the policies in place right now, they, the economic conditions, they see rates going down, not up. And that's across the board. Okay. And so we're seeing long-term rates trend downward. They're not connected at the hip with what the Feds do on a, on a given day. Right. And uh, that's a good trend to see. And it's pretty, pretty pronounced. And, and I, I challenge somebody to give me another reason why they'd be going up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, when the stock markets, the vol- we see this all this volatility in stock markets, where are you going to put your, where you want to put your cash in, in com- hard assets? You know, real estate being probably the, the biggest, strongest asset. And even the state of California realizes that with their program. We talked about it the last podcast. Like they're willing to invest in real estate because they're going to get the appreciation on it, because they know it's a good investment with their bond dollars. When I speak to borrowers, we always talk about first-time homebuyers. Those are our golden clients. We all want first-time homebuyers, both as realtors and as lenders. They're the best. That's who we want. And when I speak to those people, I always say part of your planning for your future should be filling up all the buckets, and one of those buckets is real estate. And you have to fill up the bucket, and you start with buying your own house. Not Bitcoin? No. <laughs> Not There's no bond measure for Bitcoin entry into the market? Oh, shoot. So for, for those listeners that weren't with us last week, Ben, when you talked about what your company does today to help buyers, if you know, I'm a little fearful of the interest rate today, so I'm going to wait. Let's go through that again, how your company would help somebody like me. Yeah, we, we offer a no-cost, one-year temporary buy-down of 1%. So... Uh, somebody that goes into a loan today and maybe the note rate is 6.5%, for the first 12 months, they would be paying as if it's at 5.5%. And we pay the difference on that payment. And during that time, the idea is to give them a runway to, to lower rates, and we refinance them at no cost as that, as that opportunity arises. Any good loan officer really wants to take care of their, their portfolio and make sure that they're in there. And if that means doing a loan for nothing to keep somebody as part of their portfolio. I mean, either I'm gonna do the loan and keep it in my, in my grasp and make sure that person's referring to me and I'm taking care of them, or they're gonna go somewhere else. So we'll do whatever it takes to keep our clients. It's interesting, you do talk about waiting and buying your first house is a really a, a big commitment. It's always a stretch, as you say, John. I think the challenge people really miss is, if my house does go down in value, should I be concerned? Because if you uh, bought, um, Oh, what's this place? Amazon stock 10, 20 years ago. And, and, you know, I'm not a big stock market guy. Were there times when that thing went down in value? Yeah, all, like a lot, right? But over time, are you better off that you just held on to your, had your, you had Amazon stock? You know, if you just hold it, it doesn't matter. So the great thing about a house is you can fix your housing costs. We talk about this a lot. And if it gets cheaper for the financing, you can take advantage of it. And if it goes up, you're not affected. You know, if you buy a house and you can afford, even at these crazy rates, if you step in and the rate works for you and you're able to make that payment, even at that, it's a fixed payment. It's never going to rise. If you refinance, which is very, very likely that you're going to be refinancing anytime in the next year or two, then it's only going to improve that situation. It's, it's a win situation for somebody long term. Well, I'm kind of laughing because you're calling these crazy rates. <laughs> oh, these crazy, crazy 6% mortgage rates. Oh, my gosh. They're horrible. Dude, come on. You're right. Yeah. You're right. 
And it, it, the more you're, you're listening to the news or something to the, your clients too much. How can I possibly put six percent, pay six percent on a mortgage? You know, <laughs> the mortgage industry itself. I mean, it, it is padding for and preparing for the rates to come down exponentially. I think when we we talked uh, a while back, I think we did our live podcast. We're looking at the ten-year Treasury and how the thirty-year mortgage rate kind of mirrors it. And there's usually a spread between one um, hundred and one point seven five percent to two percent. In in the industry, it's one hundred and seventy-five to two hundred basis points. And right now, the spread is three hundred basis points, three percent. It's almost an, a one uh, a whole percent higher because the you know the lender the lender has to make. They have to make their money, right? They're, 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 although they do all these great things, it's not a charity. And the money that's made over the length of a hold, like five to seven years on average, is you know worth that servicing amount. And since they know that the rate, the mortgages are going to be refinanced soon, they're having to put that extra that extra one percent uh, on the rate. That's why rates are where they're at, and they know they're coming down. So there's there's like the industry itself is telling us that rates are coming down. And again, that's where this big opportunity comes in. It, it said, James, you referenced like, okay, Jay, tell me where the opportunity is when the, the rates are so high I can't afford um, for Dubai. Like, take John's advice, stretch a little, get that rate buy down. And then when the rates compress and come back, you're in. Now you get the rate that you can afford. Uh, and you've got a house that you now own and your f- costs are fixed for the length of your hold. And it's only going to get better. It's never going to get worse if you've got a fixed cost at a, at a you know, 30-year um, secured note. Yeah. To, to your point, too, Jay, that's an excellent point. The industry is thinking that way, that rates are coming down. The, um, normally on a loan, we have a six-month time. We call it an early payoff where it limits us from refinancing the client mm. because all the revenue is taken out of the loan. That's been shortened recently to four months, and the idea is to be prepared because we want to be able to refinance these people as the rates come down. Yeah, another another signal, right? Get in now before everybody realizes this. And there, there's 10 people trying to buy the same house. Uh, ben, since you've been in the industry, what's the highest rate that you can recall? Oh, and and how'd, you, how'd you overcome that, you know, the, the, the issues? Well, this is back before the meltdown. This is uh, going back to 04, 03, when we were, I think we were in the mid-sevens at that point. And... Uh, I, I bought my first house from Hal, I think, in '96, and that was—I uh, want to say—I was on an FHA loan at maybe seven and a half percent, seven and three quarters at that time. That's because you were a minor. <laughs> you weren't old enough to own a home. <laughs> you guys, you guys are such kids. I bought my first house in 1978. I had an assumable that I, I took over an assumable loan. I thought I'd stolen the house at nine and three quarters. Yeah. We ended up moving four years later. Wait, wait. Why did you assume that? Versus because, getting because a new loan. The rates were like 17 or 18. So you got nine. So I got nine. And I thought I stole it. it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you probably paid $50,000 for the house. 486. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, and then four or five years later, we bought a house in Southern California for 150 and, and uh, got a 10 and a half on a 5.1. Again, I thought I was stealing the house. And what year was that? 1984. Oh, that's because you got the senior discount in 84. Right? <laughs> You're killing it. Hey, hey, Hal, you brought up something earlier. You are talking about medians. And, and uh, I read something in the newspaper here this week that median uh, prices are going down, yet at the very bottom of the article it said, but home values are going up. How can that happen? People always ask me about this. So are prices up or down, you know, and, and how much? 
And there's so many ways to measure home prices, right? The median price is if 100 homes sell, we'd put 50 on top and 50 on the bottom and whatever's in the middle, that's the median. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. We have so few sales in relation to the size of our community, like 150 a, a month these days. 100 of them are over a million, which is easy to say, then our median price is here. But does it mean the house sold last year for more or less? Absolutely not. So that's why we look at comparable sales. And we've seen houses drop in value. The same house selling this year would have sold for more last year. And we see houses that would have sold for less last year sell for more. So, yeah, the median is, uh, oh, boy, you know, what's the median price of groceries? <laughs> yeah, depends on what you're buying. What the basket. Yeah. What's in your basket, yeah. right? That's, I mean, that's, hey, that crackers a pretty good. Actually, that was a good example. Yeah. I'm going to save I, that one. Yeah. yeah. I, I think what I heard you say is that, that, Houses on the lower end are, are probably selling a little easier right now than houses on the higher end because of interest rates. So, Ben, what what's going on with the higher-valued loans? What, what do we call those, the jumbo loans? The jumbo are non-conforming. Let, let, let me correct, John. That, the lower end aren't selling easier. There's just more activity in that price range versus. So it's just Perfect. the number of sales adjust what the median price is. It hasn't happened to do like value very much. Right. They're just more selling that just happened to be at a lower price than before. But the values are very, very steady to increasing year over year still. Yep. Correct. Jumbo loan. I mean, it's funny. We were talking about rates. And what is interesting is that after 2008, we had a whole, well, with the Dodd-Frank, with the Financial Reform Act that came out of uh, the, the meltdown in 2008. So in 2010, we get all this new legislation, Dodd-Frank, and we have the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau now. With all that new um, regulation. Regulation, thank you. <laughs> we have all these new rules and what qualifies a mortgage to be sellable. And that changed rates quite a bit. And it separated, you know, what is a saleable loan. And then it also created a new category, which we call non-QM or non-qualified mortgages. And we have an incredibly large size market that's at higher rates now. And these are the loans that are even today are in the eights. And these are loans like purely asset depletion. I'm closing a loan right now for somebody buying a $2 million home in, in Templeton. This person does not make a lot of money at all, but they have a large asset that they inherited. And I can simply assign an income calculation to that asset and give them financing. And so that's a, an asset depletion loan. And those loans, they're not well-priced, but they're wonderful for getting people into homes and, and giving them the opportunity to own. We also have the DSCR loans that are popular right now with investors, which is a cash flow loan where they can buy the property and they don't have to have a lot of income. It just uses the rental income on the property to qualify and determine their down payment. Uh, these are non-QM loans. They're not saleable loans. They're really going to be a portfolio loan. The rates are high, but people love them. So it's not rate-driven. You use a lot of jargon in there, and I love that. <laughs> um, so, so usually you, get, you can get your loan based on a steady income. You like that, an employee, right, W-2. Correct. Right. I've always got a kick out of the fact if you're self-employed, it's a lot trickier. It doesn't fit into the box as well. Yeah, when you're self-employed, we're living on what you report as your income. So you're always sure. in the past. So right now, as 2022 tax returns are being filed, that's going to be the income we're going to use for qualifying you for a loan. We may look at your profit and loss statement if you're self-employed, sure. but you're living in the past. If you're a W-2 wage earner and last year you made fifty grand, and this year you're making 250000 and it's a set salary, we're going to use that 250000 for your income. And, but I always get a kick out of it because most of the people that are employees are employed by self-employed people, right? Right. So the employer 
Yeah, it's a little bit trickier. But when you say asset depletion, that just means I don't have regular income, but I own something valuable that over time I could liquidate. Is that yeah. what asset depletion is? Correct. And there are conforming, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, conforming loans. So those are loans in the normal range, not jumbos. Right. That do, they allow asset depletion too. There's, there's more, there are more limitations on the type of accounts you can use, but it does not affect the rates. Those are still at the best rates, normal market rates, and those are saleable loans. But for pe- people buying high-end homes that are unusual, people with, that really show almost no income in the case of this borrower I'm thinking of, they have very little to no income. They're basically homemakers. Right. And yet they have this very large asset that they're fortunate to have, and right. they can close on a loan just by me assigning income to that asset. It goes back to what we said. You go meet with a good mortgage lender like Ben to figure out what the options are. I just wanted, it was kind of glossed over and I was kind of geeking out. Maybe I'm, I'm channeling my inner JT on numbers here. But JT said that when uh, the interest rates go down a point, 5 million people entered into the market. Ben, you said that there's 590,000 homes available in the United States right now on the market. That's, that's correct. You think about our county alone is, is what, 250,000 people, and we have, how many are listings right now? 280, 300? Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What's that percentage? Three, three, 332 days ago. That tells me that you have to get ready, like, like Jay was saying. I mean, you have to be at the ready for when that, when that point drops or when it starts to go in that direction. And even if it's slowly, it's not going to happen overnight probably, but slowly people are going to start trickling in and then it's, there's nothing to buy really. Jeff, that's why I say the, the opportunity is now. Yeah. And most people don't see it because they're waiting for the interest rate mm-hmm. to go down. When and if, and if I was a buyer, I'd want to get in the market today before the interest rates go down because I won't have as much competition for that property. It's crazy. Uh, I hear people every day tell me they're waiting for the prices to drop. And when I hear what Hal just said, you know, going back to the numbers we were just saying, so let's say we have 300 homes in our county on the market and we're selling 150 in a month. That means we have a two-month supply of housing in our market, which is very, very short historically. So for somebody to be waiting for houses to drop, good luck right now. Well, fundamental economics on prices dropping, right? The price is driven by demand and availability. Uh, the demand is high, availability is low. Do you know how many homes we built in the, like the 1930s? A uh, little over 5 million. Do you know how many homes we built in the 2000s? Over 26 million. Do you know how many homes were built in the 2010s? Just over 5 million. Slightly more than were built in the 1930s. And our population has swollen in the United States. There are too many humans bidding for too few homes. Yeah. Fundamental economics. Prices aren't coming down. Yeah. And, unless they build 20 million homes next decade. You know, I had an old mentor of mine that used to say, it's, it's all about the numbers. It's not about the numbers. We spend a lot of time here at this table talking about numbers. I, I, I wonder what percentage of the transactions happen in the real estate business because of personal circumstances. And what I mean by that is, you know, in good times and in bad times, in good markets and bad markets, people lose their jobs and they get jobs and they need to move. People get married, they get divorced, they need to move. 
They have babies. They become empty nesters. They want to move. They retire. They want to move. Unfortunately, we lose people in our families, and the family wants to sell. So I wonder how much we spend all our time talking about the numbers, and, uh, mm. and, and maybe personal circumstances play a bigger piece of people making decisions than we talk about. That's a great point, John. Probably our most emotional yeah. moment. Yeah, that was, that was the Oscar moment. Yeah, that, that was, was right Oscar there. Drop the mic. That's good. That's yeah. the Oscar yeah. moment. End this podcast now. Any more questions uh, for Ben or for Hal or for Jay or for me if you're crazy? Can, can we run credits on the radio? Because I want John Turner's name to be at the we top do. of this one. We, that, we, that statement about personal circumstances, was, uh, that, that, that was awesome. No, I yeah. think we ought to give Ben the credit for, for this one. The, the last two episodes, you've added so much to our podcast. Ben, thank you so much. Does ben Thanks get, for having me. Does Ben get the first ever round of applause at the end of a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. First ever. All right. Uh, again, Ben, wow, amazing. Thank you. Yeah, so far, I think you're our favorite uh, guest. Oh. I'm going to go out and say that. Oh, don't, uh, don't you say? Don't, don't do that. Alienate anyone. No. <laughs> okay, you're our third favorite. You can guess, you can guess who, who the other yeah. two are. James, does, James doesn't work with the public, so he doesn't understand <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm on the podium. I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, right. Perfect. Uh, so one more time, Ben. Let us let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. Thank you. It's uh, my website is blearner.com. It's b l e r n e r dot com. Or my phone is 805-441-9486, and I'm always available. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, to all those that are listening, we, we appreciate you. We love you. We, we uh, couldn't do it without you. So thank you all. We'll see everyone next week. Thank you for listening to the House Swayze Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. It comes out every Monday, so check for it in your feed for the latest information on the San Luis Obispo County market. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and on HouseSwayze.com where you can find current listings and other real estate tips. HouseSwayze.com, that's H-A-L-S-W-E-A-S-E-Y.com. I am James Bueno, Director of Marketing for the House Swayze Group. If you're looking for anything real estate, give us a call, 805-781-3750. House Swayze is a licensed California real estate broker. DRE number 01111911. The Slow County Real Estate with House Swayze Podcast is a production of AGM Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.